Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome back to Live Mike. I am your host, Lee Lonsbury. We're talking this segment about demographics and about the, uh, the disproportionate, disproportional uh, impact that the coronavirus is having on various communities here in the state of Utah. There are disparities, and they are unfortunate, and they lead to a number of question marks. On the uh, Friday's episode of Live Mike, we heard from the governor as he announced the creation of a new uh, branch of the coronavirus task force here in the state, uh, a branch which would focus specifically uh, on minority needs and the impact being uh, faced by uh, multicultural and minority communities here in the state of Utah as we all here together uh, combat the, the coronavirus and hopefully uh, move towards uh, emerging the other side uh, safe and healthy. Well, uh, some of that disparity uh, is unfortunate. We are seeing it in Hispanic communities and here in Utah. Uh, we also see it among communities uh, comprised of uh, Pacific Islanders. Uh, to help me understand, uh, we have on the line Nubia Pena, the director of the Utah Division of Multicultural Affairs uh, and uh, the individual who has been tapped to head this new panel, this new branch of the uh, coronavirus task force. Uh, Nubia, grateful to you for your time. Thanks for joining us on the program today. How are you? I'm great, and thank you so very much for having me on. I appreciate it. Let's, uh, let's break this conversation into, into two parts. Let's first work through the data. Let's understand the circumstance in which we find ourselves, and then let's uh, have a look at how it might be remedied. What is the situation right now? So as you mentioned, um, there was an announcement that uh, shared that we are now going to be leading out on a new effort, a committee that will address the disparities that are growing. And when you're looking at the numbers for Utah that we are tracking, there is a disparity around the racial and ethnic minorities who are being most affected um, in Salt Lake County. And so when you look at the dashboard that they currently have on their website, we have 417 cases that are confirmed for the Hispanic or Latino community. But we've also seen an increase now in our black and African-American community. So we know that our uh, communities of color are being disproportionately affected by COVID-19. We have heard from the Surgeon General of the United States. He has touched on this topic a few times and offered up some potential rationale and reasoning for why this disparity exists. Uh, he has spoken about language barriers. Uh, he has spoken about, uh, in some cases, those uh, there may be some individuals who carry with them the idea that seeking help may expose them to uh, some sort of uh, persecution or prosecution. He also talked about uh, some some unfortunate uh, health prevalences that exist uh, among various uh, communities. Are you aware yet, or has the task force or you yourself been able to, to come to any explanation for why these disparities exist yet here in the state? 
So since we just formulated the task force, I will say that some of the work in gearing up for this formalized group is the survey that we distributed a few weeks back. Once the pandemic hit, we understood that there would be a unique, there would be unique barriers that our communities from marginalized communities are facing. And so we wanted to establish a baseline need. The survey found that one of the biggest uh, concerns was language accessibility of the material. It was also the coordination and dissemination of information. We also found that there was a growing digital divide. For many homes, there were some that could access the information on their computers, but for those that didn't have Wi-Fi or laptops or computer access, that was incredibly challenging. Um, There was also concern about misinformation. Um, By the time that certain communities received the the content, it may have been two, three, four days delayed, and by then it, it was readily and quickly changing that it may have been outdated. And so I believe that everything that the um, Surgeon General is speaking of is accurate. We're seeing it in our communities, and this has come to a shock for many people. They look at our community and think, how is Utah also being affected the way that more racially diverse communities are? But, you know, this really uh, speaks to the historical precedent that we know of pre-existing disparities in health, social, and economic factors. And the pandemic, unfortunately, has brought um, higher Um, has really highlighted how this is uniquely affecting those from marginalized communities. Let me ask this. How can we help? If you had a moment to speak to to the audience here, regardless of the demographic makeup of the audience, uh, what what can we as members of the community do to uh, address or at least aid uh, in this gap or the disparity that exists? If if it is, in fact, due to information or things that can be controlled. Well, and really that's going to be one of our priorities is coordinating information that is being disseminated by utilizing and elevating the efforts that are being done by grassroots um, organizations. Comunidades Unidas and a lot of our community health workers have been deeply trusted for a long time. So I know that the Health Disparities is launching an initiative um, in order to be able to implement them as part of our outreach effort. And there's also other things that our communities can do by battling xenophobia. This is not about race. This is socioeconomic. This is historical, systemic. So making sure that we are um, in any way disrupting, dismantling, and addressing um, divisive behavior. This is really where our communities need to come together, rally with one another, um, and, and find ways that we can help. That could look like many different things, making masks and donating them to USERV. USERV has lots of different ways that community partners can get involved. It's also about donating to different locations like mutual aid groups or organizations that are helping and working with uh, families that might not qualify for the stimulus check and mm-hmm. some of the financial relief efforts that are available. It's donating to nonprofit organizations working directly with underserved and historically marginalized communities. Um, the other thing that we can do is uh, make sure that we're elevating the, the fact that, you know, this doesn't just look to people of color. Um, it's just that people of color are disproportionately affected based on the economic barriers that they that they have. So how do we bring compassion back to this conversation and recognize we can all do our part to make sure that all of our families are safe? You, you mentioned, uh, uh, and I hate to highlight the, the negative here or focus on it, but you mentioned a, a moment ago uh, discrimination or xenophobia. Have you have you seen uh, instances of that or been presented with evidence of that as the, the coronavirus uh, situation has developed here in Utah? 
it's so unfortunate that I have to respond to that in the affirmative, but we do know of certain cases that have occurred in um, St. George, uh, Cedar City. Um, we also had some, I believe, local. And, um, you know, what we're doing is just bringing awareness to what this is, how, how people can respond. What does bystander intervention look like? How can you dispel, dismiss, disrupt abusive behavior? How can you make sure that you are stepping in and creating the type of environment and community that says we will not stand for this. So, um, you know, this is also something that is happening uh, nationally and conversations are being had. So I encourage people to, to really become aware of what are skills that you can develop to disrupt this type of behavior, whether it's online, whether it's in conversations with people, whether it's on Zoom meetings or during, um, you know, calls with friends. It's really something where we as a community have to rise up and say, we we can't do this right now, not when so many of us are in need to be safe, are in need to be um, to, to just have relief efforts and uh, community efforts um, bring out the very best of us. And so we shouldn't let hate be something that is prioritized. We'll leave it at that. Nubia Pena, director of the Utah Division of Multicultural Affairs, also heading up this new panel, a new branch of the coronavirus task force here in the state of Utah. Uh, listen, let's, let's uh, remain in contact. As you learn new things and uh, you are able to identify new tactics that, say, my audience uh, can use to, to help you know, offer some sort of equality when it comes to the experience uh, felt by all Utahns as we continue to combat the coronavirus, uh, you, you let me know and we'll have another chat, all right? I absolutely welcome that, and I thank you so much for making space and time on your show for this conversation. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Uh, that's going to do it for that chat. One uh, segment left in the program today. And, uh, you know, I've been making these, uh, these comparisons between a meal, how earlier in the program we had to get through our meat and potatoes before we had some dessert. Well, listen, there is, <laughs> there is a legitimate segment ahead on this program that deals with meat. If you've been to the grocery store lately, you may have seen that it is hard to come by. Why is that the case? And what is a member of the United States Senate doing to fight it? We'll find out next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.